Welcome to the Candida Chronicles with our host, Michael Biamonte, Certified Clinical Nutritionist. In this podcast, Michael will answer your questions and reveal the shocking truth that the cause of most chronic ailments is not what you've been told. The source is Candida, a yeast overgrowth which, when it becomes systemic, can cause all sorts of seemingly unrelated ailments such as chronic fatigue syndrome and even weight gain. For more information on how Michael can help you, please visit healthtruth.com, that's health-truth.com, or phone his office at 212-587-2330. And now, without further ado, Michael Biamonte. And hello everyone, this is Michael Biamonte, clinical nutritionist, bringing you another episode of the Candida Chronicles. The first thing that I would like to announce once again is that the first book of the series of five books on Candida, the Candida Chronicles series, is now available on Amazon.com, various Amazon sites, I think the key site is Amazon.com. You merely need to just go on Amazon.com and do a search for Candida Chronicles and the book will come up. I recommend uh, everyone, of course, to read the book because it's going to give you the details of the Biamonte method of addressing Candida. And keep in mind that this first book is going to have the fundamentals of addressing Candida. These are the basis of the treatment plan that I've been Uh, using for these many years now. And the follow-up books to the Candida Chronicle, Volume 1, will be highlighting Candida's relationship to certain maladies, illnesses, and syndromes. So in order for the follow-up books to make good sense to someone, they need to have a pretty decent grasp of the information in the first book because the follow-up books are going to be written for a person who we are going to assume has read the first book and has a relative grasp of it. So that makes the first book even more important for our listeners to understand and duplicate the information there. So by all means, everyone, go on Amazon.com. Search for the Candida Chronicles, Volume 1. Get your copy, study your copy. If you have questions, by all means, email me questions. Email me at drb at health-truth.com. Whatever your question is. I'd be happy to answer your questions. And as always, during this broadcast today, you're more than welcome to email questions in. Actually, no one's been doing that for a while. So if anyone has a question during this broadcast, go right ahead, email me the question at drb at health-truth.com, drb, like Dr. B, at health-truth.com. I'd be happy to answer the question on the air. If for some reason we don't have the opportunity to do so, I will answer it after the program. Today's topic is going to be essentially what you don't know about candida that can hurt you. Uh, Very interesting, I believe. Because there are so many misinformed people out there on Candida. 
My heart goes out to people. When I'm on Facebook, which I typically am very often, because many of our patients are on Facebook, and this is the way we follow them, and I look at these various Facebook groups that have people posting different, inf- different questions and different problems they're having regarding candida and leaky gut. My heart really goes out to you people because you people are missing so much important information. You guys are literally like the blind leading the blind. And it's unnecessary because the truth is out there. The truth is out there, as the X-Files would say. So it's not necessary for you to live in ignorance. Go to health-truth.com. Go to the website. Read on the website. It'll change your life. Listen to these podcasts. They'll change your life. We get people writing us all the time. People who aren't patients who will tell us that they took an entire weekend and they listened to about 30 or 40 podcasts and it completely changed their entire concept of what, what their illness was. Could you imagine what would happen if they read the Candida Chronicles Volume 1? What you don't know about Candida will hurt you when you try to self-treat Candida because Candida is not something which is geared to be self-treated. You will see various podcasts that I've had, uh, that I've, uh, I've posted here on this um, website, health-truth.com forward slash podcasts, which specifically talk about self-treating candida and give, attempt to give you some direction and some hint as to how to do it. But even at that, it is a failed, it is a failed attempt. Self-treating candida is virtually impossible to a correct end result by my standards because of how candida will trick you. If candida did not happen to be one of the trickiest microorganisms on this planet, I would say, good luck, go for it. But unfortunately, that's not what happens. Keep in mind also, folks, that a good amount of what I learned about treating candida didn't come from medical books. It did not really come from medical journals, although they were a help at times. A good amount of what I learned about treating candida came from listening to my patients, listening to people who were coming to me, who had been to notable doctors, notable doctors in the Midwest of the United States, in California, even in, on the East Coast, People who wrote books, nonetheless. People who wrote five, six, seven, eight books. These doctors were on Opry. Opry uh, welcomed them. Oprah, sorry, not Opry. Oprah. Now, how could a doctor who's on Oprah steer you wrong, you would say? Well, luckily, Dr. Phil doesn't treat Candida because I don't think he would know where to start, but certainly... A physician prominent enough to write several books and appear on Oprah should have some kind of guidance for you that's legitimate. And yet, what I learned from so many of my patients who visited all of these notable doctors was what to do wrong. 
I would listen to the stories they would tell over and over again. I'd hear the same stories. It wouldn't even make a difference who the doctor was at that one point. The people were telling me the same stories regardless who the doctor was. The same mistakes were being made. And these are the same mistakes that people who self-treat are going to make. So let's start with number one, shall we? The first mistake that the person who self-treats, or, or just the person out there trying to treat candida, is going to make is that they are not going to rotate antifungals. And this is the first thing about candida which you need to know, which will prevent you from ever getting well. According to some of the medical textbooks on mycology and candida, the general opinion seems to be that after 21 days of exposure to the same medication, whether it be pharmaceutical or botanical, naturopathic or a drug, whatever, the daughter cells of the candida organism begin to mutate and develop a resistance. Now, during that time, the mother cells of candida are imparting data through DNA to the daughter cells to try to teach them how to survive the medication that they're currently under attack by. At around 21 days, the daughter cells seem to be catching on and seem to be developing at, at first a drug resistance. It is impossible to develop a drug-resistive strain of candida prior to 21 days. I'm saying this based on the authoritative medical textbooks on mycology. Now, they could be wrong, but I will tell you that this does meet with my experience because typically we get patients that come to us and the story will be that they were given Nystatin as an example. It could be anything. It could be 3 lakh. It could be 5 lakh. It could be uh, 25 lakh. It could be fluconazole, ketoconazole. I don't care what it is. They were given this drug. Often it is Nystatin. They've noticed a big improvement doing the drug, doing the probiotic, doing the candida diet. They were doing great for about two or three months, and all of a sudden all their symptoms started to come back, and they didn't change a damn thing. And they don't know why that's happening. So what does the doctor do? Of course, of course the doctor increases the dose higher, which usually makes the patient get even worse. So from experience, I can tell you that it's in that two- to three-month slot, where you'll actually see the evidence of the candida now becoming drug-resistant. When we had our office at 139 Fulton Street in Manhattan, and we would do stool cultures in the office routinely on patients, it would be interesting to see the patients that would come in who didn't know where, what candida was, had not been treated for candida. And these people, when we cultured their stool and found they had an excess growth of candida, we found them to have an excess of candida albicans, which is the base 
form of candida, the base species, let's say. Others who came in, the sophisticated patients who had been around the block for 10 years or so, they would come in and they would tell me all about their candida treatments and the self-treatments they've done, what the doctors have done, and they've, they've been treating candida for 10 years. We would culture their stool and they would almost always have candida tropicalis which is considered a more advanced strain of candida, a drug-resistive strain, a strain that's more difficult to get rid of. So there it is. Rotating antifungals every four to seven days is what gets you out of that mess or, or keeps you out of that mess. If you do not rotate your antifungals every four to seven days and you continue to take the same antifungal every day, you're going to be in trouble. You're going to eventually develop a drug-resistant strain of candida, which is going to be able to come back at the drop of a hat, and your strain of candida is not going to be uh, sensitive to many of the drugs and many of the over-the-counter products that you may take out there to deal with. You will eventually be one of those people who will come to my, myself or a colleague of mine and tell them the story of how you were doing just fine and then all of a sudden the universe got mad at you. The next thing that one needs to know, which you don't know about candida, is that candida grows as an organism in different stages. And in these stages of growth, different medicines at different times are more effective against the candida than others. Uh, another way to view this, too, is that candida has, at different times of its life, periods of time where it's more dominant as a fungus and other times where it's more dominant as a yeast. This is a, a parallel to what I just said. It's unfortunately too technical to go over and really explain which, which drug or medication is used in different stages of the candida's growth. You, you can gain some knowledge of this information by reading the Candida Chronicles book on treatment. You'll see, uh, you'll see when the treatment switches, it's because of that very reason. But the technical side of how this happens is something which would be too confusing. So we'll, we're going to leave it at that as, as, as that is a fact. It is also a fact, as I was just saying, that candida can flip from a yeast to a fungus. This is called dimorphism. And when this occurs, there are also certain medicines which are more effective against the candida. Many years ago, when women, as an example, would move from phase one of our treatment program to phase two, uh, we always made it a habit, all of us actually, all the nutritionists working in the office and all the even reception staff would make it a habit of warning them that now that you're going on phase two, there's a strong possibility that any fungal form of the candida, which is still in your system, may flip itself to a yeast form. So you may start to get a yeast infection by going on to this phase of the treatment. And this does not mean you're getting worse. It's simply a defense mechanism 
of the candida and the fungal form. Next thing that one needs to know regards probiotics. Now, probably a, I would say, close to a billion dollar industry worldwide, the sale of probiotics. And unfortunately, I feel like the WikiLeak here in this segment, that I must tell you the truth. I'm going to leak this information out here for you. And this is a unfortunate subject that you're not really going to hear in your health food store because it runs along the lines of finances. No one is going to tell you that probiotics are literally a waste of time for you to take while you're initially treating the candida because probiotic sales are very big. There's been a lot of research on probiotics. In the last 10 years, probiotics have even made their way into mainstream medicine. So even your doctor or your GP may tell you about taking a probiotic now. And probiotics have reached the popularity and the height in the medical profession of almost uh, the stature of vitamin D now. But the simple fact is, Probiotics cannot attach themselves to the lining of your intestinal tract or re-inoculate, we would say, as long as there is the presence of yeast or a considerable dysbiosis. Dysbiosis would mean bad bacteria and parasites. So if your intestinal tract is considerably infected with yeast, with bacteria that's harmful or with parasites, the probiotic that you're taking is mostly going into the toilet. The reasons why, again, are kind of technical, but you can, if you could envision it as they are repelled, they are ma magnetically repelled by the bad organisms. There is actual truth in that, in that very statement. When you study different organisms, you study gram-positive versus gram-negative organisms, and you look at pathogenic ones basis, um, as opposed to friendly flora, you will see that there is a repulsion that occurs that almost is electromagnetic by bad organisms from the good organisms. It also could be thought of as a game of musical chairs. As long as the bad organisms are predominant, the good organism really has no place to go. It would follow the a law of the universe that two substances, let's say, cannot occupy the same place at the same time. That's a basic law of the universe. You cannot have two particles in the same, exact same place at the exact same time. They don't fit. This is what, happened, this is what will happen with your probiotics when you take them, which is why on the Biamonte method, we do not give probiotics to people until they have completed phase two, part A, which is the intestinal cleanse for candida, and we know that they have now eliminated the majority of their candida from the body systemically and from the intestinal tract. When you have done that, then you have a chance to take the probiotic and actually have the probiotic stick and re-inoculate your intestines. 
If you try taking probiotics when you have a dirty colon, they will do nothing. Many patients listening to this will recognize this concept by the Indican test on the Biamonte home kit. The home urine kit that we have our patients use on a monthly basis, which measures the levels of their dysbiosis and candida, measures Indican as one of the uh, parts of the test. The, this per particular parameter, Indican, measures how toxic and dirty your colon is, not from yeast, not from yeast, but from bad bacteria, from putrefying proteins, and from parasites. And someone who has a high Indican level is never going to have their probiotics stick to their gut lining. Now, once you disinfect the reasons for the high Indican, and then you add the probiotics, the probiotics will stick and do what they're supposed to do. But only when you've done it in the correct order. And so much of our Candida program and our treatment is based on doing things in a correct order. I received an email yesterday, and I do receive these often, from doctors all over the world asking me if I could share with them some of the antifungals that we use on our program which may be the, amongst the more effective ones, let's say, that were responsible for the fame of our program. And I typically write these people back with pretty much the same response. There is no antifungal that is so superior that it's responsible for the fame or the success of my treatment protocol. That doesn't exist because the antifungals that we use vary from one person to the next based on their symptoms, their history, their test results. It's how we use them. It's the fact that we know to rotate them. It's the fact that we know which ones to use, whether the yeast is in a fungal state or a yeast state. It's the fact that we know not to give probiotics and expect anything beneficial when the person is early in the treatment. That's what makes the difference. It's not knowing some magical antifungal that's out there. That's not what it is. That's not the knowledge that's going to get you well. Following the candida diet is part of the knowledge that will get you well. We have had patients over the years who miraculously were able to not really follow the diet that strictly, who did still manage to get well. Most of these people were type O blood types. Type A blood types are a controversy because the A's do, in a sense, have a higher tolerance for carbohydrates. When you have a type A blood type on a candida program, they can tolerate eating more carbs than a type O will in the long run. But the type A's also get better faster. Type A's are more sensitive to the medications, it seems, and they do indeed get better faster. Type O's get better eventually. They're, they're kind of long and steady, where sometimes the type A's are the sprinters. They're able to get through it a bit faster. The problem the type A's have is they have a tendency so much for their cortisol to go up because of stress and nerves and whatnot that this sets them back. So therefore, another thing that we would say, information you don't know about candida which will hurt you, is the effects of hormones on candida. 
Hormones have a magnificent role in how candida lives its life. A woman who has very bad PMS, a man or a woman who's under a lot of stress to the point where it disturbs their sleep, a man whose testosterone is so low that he's depressed, can't function sexually, has lost muscle mass, these people are not going to get rid of their candida. They will not get rid of the candida because their hormones are so out of balance that the hormone problems are triggering the candida to continually come back. Example of this would be like a woman who's premenstrual, and every time she hits that premenstrual point in her, in her monthly cycle, boom, all her candida symptoms come roaring back. Testing for hormones and treating the hormones is something that needs to be left up to a practitioner who is expert in understanding the relationship between hormones and candida. Now, to be quite candid with you right now, at this moment, the only people that I know who are expert in understanding the relationship between hormones and candida happen to be myself and my students who have done my, my uh, course. I can't really say I know anyone else who's expert in hormones and candida. But that is important because I've seen so many time after time after time my patients going to someone who's allegedly a hormone expert who uses bioidentical hormones and whatnot and they end up having their candida get worse. Hydrochloric acid is a funny thing. This is the stomach acid that you make. A lack of hydrochloric acid is just as bad as taking antibiotics. In fact, many years ago, hydrochloric acid was given as a treatment for thyroid problems and for different types of parasitic infections. Hydrochloric acid is known to be able to kill candida as its own modality. It's not the most reliable candida killer and it has its limits, but it does have the ability to kill some of the candida because it changes the pH of the intestines. Just as acidophilus lowers the pH of the intestines and keeps it below 7.2, so does stomach acid or HCL supplementation or apple cider vinegar, however you want to go with that. The key to understand is that taking supplements or foods which lower the acidity in your digestive tract, make you more acid, those are the things that help the friendly bacteria to work, they help the antifungals and other medications to work, and they, on their own, deliberately, are able to inhibit the growth of candida and other bad guys. Now, I'd have to guess that there aren't that many of you out there who would were able to anticipate each of these items that I brought up today. And this goes back to, to the fact that candida is very tricky. If you don't understand how to address it, you really are not going to get rid of it. You see, that's the serious part of this. If it was as simple as you going to a medical doctor 
being prescribed a medication, taking the medication for two to three weeks, and then your candida would be gone, I wouldn't be here right now doing this broadcast. I wouldn't have to. Because if something like that was able to work, I wouldn't be needed. How I came about to get into this field was because people did not have a reliable treatment for candida that was consistent and worked and that produced the desired results. So there you have it, folks. For more information on this subject, I strongly recommend that you get the book, The Candida Chronicles, Amazon.com. It will cover all this material. It will also cover a few things that we did not get into. And I'm going to leave you with the last subject matter, and the book can explain this to you a bit more. But there are nutrients out there in your health food store, on the shelves in your health food store, in your own house, in the pantries. There are nutrients that you will take, which, number one, will defend candida and protect candida against the antifungals that you take. And number two, also have the ability to literally feed the candida and make it spread as though you were eating sugar. It's important to know which nutrients those are so that you don't take them while you're treating the candida. That is one of the other datums that you need to know, and if you don't know, it will hurt your candida treatment. This has been Michael Biamonte, clinical nutritionist, with another episode of the Candida Chronicles. Please tune in again next Friday at 4 p.m., where we will be back on the air revealing again more of the nasty, tricky, dirty work that the candida organism is known to do. Until then, I wish you well.